1: Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. Hour number two right here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. Some people call me the spitting statistician, stable genius, and vocal minority, and I got my man Kevin Wall stacking chips from inside the basement. That's what we do, give you an edge and put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, we were looking at you know Major League Baseball, some of these players deciding to opt out uh, for different reasons, and we know that these things are going to continue to happen and so we have to look at competitive balance there was one other story that i heard that came across my radar in major league baseball not a player opting out but something of a position change that i think could be helpful and important kev toronto stud kid vladimir guerrero jr last year in all 90 something games he played was a third baseman for the, for the Blue Jays. It looks like this year he's working out at first base and the manager says that he is going to play first base and DH for them this season instead of playing third base. Maybe that helps him uh, focus more even offensively. I'm not so sure. But many people thought that he underperformed of the crazy lofty expectations in his first year. Maybe this is a help for him to break out in his sophomore season and be another huge bat. We like the offense of Toronto, I wonder if this position change for Vladdy Jr. even helps him uh, focus on the offensive
2: side even more. I think the big thing is just this should help him stay healthy. I think that's the biggest thing. It should be be a lot less taxing on him. Now, weird sample size. Last year, for games he started as a third baseman, 364 at-bats, he batted 288. In his 96 at-bats as a DH, he batted 219. I don't know what to say about that. I think that's a very odd little sample size that we have there. I don't know if there's something to the idea of when he's in the field, he's more locked in, but I think it's worth the risk because Vlad staying healthy is very important for this baseball team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, if he can stay healthy and mash in the middle of that lineup, We've got a lot of guys in this shortened season, right, that if they can stay healthy, it's like, ooh, what might they be able to do? The name Joana Cespedes comes to mind for that as well for the New York area. But with Toronto, listen, I remember when we did our team-by-team previews, Kev, when we were looking at them, you and I both thought that they could surprise a little. I think you and I even thought they could be over the Boston Red Sox, right, for like a Mm -hmm. third in this division, you know, when we were doing our AL East and NL East team previews, Kev, you were like, I wish there was a playoff yes no market. I wish there was a playoff no market. And wow ask and you shall receive we have found it right and I think Toronto is an interesting case because we thought they could threaten they could be dangerous but it is a big plus number right now they're around plus 600 plus 650 to make the playoffs and you know maybe Vladdy stays healthy maybe these kids all take a step together right Biggio uh Bichette. Vladdy Jr., Goriel Jr., right? If they all put it together, Hinjin Ryu, a legitimate arm at the top that the AL East is unfamiliar with. I see the Blue Jays, yes, to make the playoffs at plus 650. They're no at over 1100. So you're not going to make any money saying they won't make the playoffs. You can earn a couple of shekels if you want to ride with the Blue Jays. I mean, I don't know that Vladdy potentially being healthy with the position change is uh, something that moves the needle for you, Kev. But can I interest you in this long shot Blue Jays to be that team that surprises? We're already having White Sox with their young studs go down. Here the Blue Jays and their young studs remain plus 650 for Toronto. Uh, Can I interest you
2: at all? Yeah, I I am interested in it. So you look at their division odds, right? And the difference is, you know, it's like 27 to 1, right? So it's a big number. But there's a reason for that. Now, again, if we're going to push Boston to the side here, and I'm okay with doing that, The Yankees and the Rays, that's still a tough mountain to climb. And a great season for the Rays, and they still might just come second in that division. Again, because the expectation for the Rays and the Yankees are so high. But there's a world where they could finish third game and still get themselves into the playoffs. So that's why I think this plus 650 number is a bit intriguing.
1: Okay, fair enough. You said you're willing to throw the Boston Red Sox to the side. So, <laughs> hey, why don't we make some money while we do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I look at the Boston Red Sox, their no to make the playoffs is around minus 250. A lot of people think that this could be a down year for Boston. We have talked about them already losing David Price, losing Mookie Betts, they you know Chris Sale already under the knife. While we expect maybe a step forward from some of these kids, Rafael Devers. A lot of people think won't take a step forward. The kid they got back, Alex Verdugo, in that trade with the Dodgers. Some people think can kind of show up and show out. They still got an offense with Bogart and Ben J.D. Martinez, and others, but it seems like you're throwing them out. It seems like a lot of other people are also throwing them out. Would you throw them out to the tune of being comfortable to lay minus 250 or thereabouts for them to not make the playoffs?
2: I don't know if I'm that comfortable. Okay. Minus 250 is, th- is still a, a decent number. Matt probably would rather just play them in the win total and, and hope they can stay under. Yes, I'm totally aw- aware that they could go over and miss the playoffs. But minus 250 is quite a bit for this team. I, to me, still with the offensive ceiling that they provide, I you know, they might bottom out and that'd be great, but I don't want to have to risk a minus 250 number.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. When I look at the top and bottom of this division, similar to how when we were talking about the win totals, you know, when we were doing our team by team. And Kev, you know, you mentioned that, Betting the over for Baltimore might be the way to go because it's just so low. You talked about not necessarily wanting to t- touch the over for the Yankees because it's so high, right? So when I talk about the playoff, yes, no markets for those two teams, as opposed to say just the win totals, I don't know that either one of those represent value, right? Because you're looking at huge numbers, either for the Yankees to make the playoffs, let's say, that's at around like minus 650, to minus 700, or for Baltimore, to not make the playoffs, that's at, like, minus 1,000. I don't know that that represents value, right? We may all think it's going to happen, but, Kev, teach the people how to fish. Why are those not necessarily bets you would want to lay, even though they become likely outcomes?
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, look, you know, we're not, we're not going to slack off here on the morning. You, you do, what, you, what we need to do is try and understand the, the risk-reward here, right? If this team mm-hmm. bottoms out and you played the under and they miss the playoffs, you will win the same amount. You might even win more because instead of having to bet two hundred and fifty bucks to win hundred dollars, you're betting significantly less. Now, yes, again, there's this world where they win, you know, thirty four games and miss the playoffs, but you are also now probably not spread as thin, and you're probably able to, you know, check the board a lot more thoroughly. I would say. And you can, you know, hit yourself on some different spots where you then can hopefully, I think, Dane, make that ground back up.
1: Okay, fair enough. Now, there's one other team here in the American League East that we have not talked about yet. And especially in terms of this playoff, yes, no. And it's the Tampa Bay Rays. And I saved them for last for a reason, Kev. When mm. we were doing the spotlight, we were kind of high on them. OK, we were saying we don't know how they get it done with their offense, but they look at the numbers and all that good stuff. Right. That that's going down. We loved their big three. Right. We loved the Now, Snell and Morton. We even talked about them as all fantasy viable. We looked at their Cy Young numbers. You and I both said they were the perfect kind of variance team for this 60 man rotation. Their their bullpen has great stuff and they use it correctly and that this team mm-hmm. is, you know, not shy to tinker, right, in this kind of context of a season. They've done the dramatic infield shifts. They've done the opener. They are comfortable in this kind of context. I remember, Kev, when you said you even thought they were an interesting play at 3-1 to one to win the division, right? It's, yeah. some barriers, it's the Yankees, COVID, it's the Yankees, we don't know, already Chapman, DJ LeMahieu, and others, right? So you thought they were a value potentially at 3-1 to one to win the ALE. I look at the Rays, yes, no playoff number. It's interesting. It's minus 110 pretty much on both sides, right there Mm -hmm. on the line. That makes sense, right? With five teams making the playoffs, if they're not the division favorite, right, they are, but uh, the second choice, they're one of the better second choices, I would imagine, along with the Oakland A's out west. And so those two teams, the A's and the Rays, look to be kind of Having that leg up, shall we say, for the wild cards and the lines would represent that for Tampa, it's minus 110 on both sides. We both like them. Isn't this pretty much decent value to get it almost even something we think can come in?
2: Yeah, I I think the back and forth that I would have a bit, Dane, is 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 there still the more value on playing them to win the division, right? Because you look through again, the projections are that the, the Yankees, the Twins, and the Astros will win their respective divisions. And then each right. of those divisions comes with a team that's supposed to be coming up right behind them with the A's, the Cleveland, and, of course, then the Rays. But that's three teams for two spots. So do I want to find myself still laying what is a minus number, right? And I think if we look over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, it's about now around minus 140. Uh, so I would say that it is... It is a nice play. I'm not mad. I, I, I understand it. I do think the 3-1, to one, though, on them to get over a Yankees team that I know we're about to talk about, that it just is, I mean, we, you know, we got Aaron Judge injury news again. Like, I think that's where I think the value for the Rays might be at its highest.
1: All right. Fair enough. If you're going to ride that horse, ride them all the way to the finish line of winning the division, the Tampa Bay Rays are the second choice, depending on where you look around, uh, plus three, plus 350. In that vein, you can get some money there. You did mention it. Aaron Judge Missed the kind of inter-squads over the last couple of days at Yankee Stadium, this time with a stiff neck. They are saying, I don't know that this compromises availability for opening day, maybe just more of a precautionary measure. And at the same time, they have pronounced Giancarlo Stanton ready to go for opening day. So... I mean, yes, he missed the inter squads with a stiff neck. I actually believe, though, all the thump in the middle of that Yankees lineup will be there. DJ LeMahieu, who has tested positive for COVID, is the one, notwithstanding.
2: Yeah, the uh, <laughs> it's you don't want to overreact to inter squad games. Yeah, boy, is Garrett Cole <laughs> looked like the best oh, pitcher in baseball. My goodness, my goodness, am I excited to watch that guy play? I, I mean. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'll tell you this, though, Dane, as a Yankees fan. Minus 800 at the FanDuel Sportsbook for this team to make the playoffs. Plus 520 for them to miss it. If I had to make one of those bets, I, I go with plus 520. With oh, this yeah. kind of variance, better than 5-1 to one for a team to miss out on the playoffs when you know that there's a team who this type of season might be perfect for in the Tampa Bay Rays, it's worth a play, I would argue yeah no, I know that's interesting
1: always go zig one other zag we like the plus money one other thing when we look at the NL East Kev is we knew that these teams mm-hmm. are so close together so maybe the playoff yes no market provides some value we take a look into that we talked to NL East last week we look at it in relation to their playoff yes no odds we on if we can edge on sports grid we come back on the early line Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. Kevin Walsh and I going around the world of sports, giving you all the lines to look at so you know how to win a little bit of money on this brand-new week, Monday, July 13th. Kev, we were looking at these playoff yes-no odds. We had already talked about the American League East when we did our team-by-team previews. Last week, we looked at the NL East. And what was interesting about that division, Kev, to me is that you know it is so close up top. Okay, I understand you could throw out the Miami Marlins, and we could still figure out ways to bet on them and win some money. But remember, sports mm-hmm. book, four of the teams. In this division, right, the defending champion nationals, the Braves, the Phillies, and the New York Metropolitans, in terms of win total, were within two games, from 33-and-a-half down to 31-and-a-half, but remember, all of those are above five hundred. all of those are contenders for the playoffs, so You know, from a big picture level, Kev, when you have four contenders that are at a similar level where the fourth choice to win the division is the Phillies at only plus 320 and the favorite is the Braves at only two to one plus 200. Why do you think that division may be a
2: potentially very profitable market if you see it the right way? Yeah, as we're we're looking through these lines, Dane, I feel like the best way to approach the playoff yes-no market does seem to be no bets on teams that are expected to make the playoffs. And the NL East, I mean, this is just the opportunity of all opportunities. We finished up our NL East preview, and we came away with two different division winners. But no, not one of us didn't take the Braves, and the other took the Nats. I got the Phillies, and Dane's got the Nets. And that means that we now have the opportunity To look at both the Nationals, who are right now minus 104 to miss the playoffs, and the Braves, who are plus 104 to miss the playoffs here. Dan, I mean, I'm willing to play on both of these numbers. That's interesting. That's what I was looking at right
1: now, first starting with Atlanta. It is plus money for them to not make the playoffs, like you mentioned, at plus 104 with our friends and partners at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And Kev, listen. This team has been hit hard. Freddie Freeman, symptomatic. Mark Kakis saying, whoa, I don't want that. I'm done. Felix Hernandez was going to try and make a comeback with this squad. No, they're not now. Some of these kids, you know, the Sorokas and the Freeds, you talked about the impact in San Fran about not having their leader in Buster Posey. Now, Freddie Freeman's going to come back. We hope we think, but there is impact there in their starting rotation. They lost Julio Tehran as well. I got a middle of the rotation kind of guy. When I look at this Kev, we weren't on them anyway. Do I think they are viable as a wild card or as a playoff team? Yes, but maybe the value is right there at plus money plus
2: 104 for the braves to not make the playoffs now let me ask you this when it comes to this braves team, because i know for myself the potential absence of freddie freeman did matter a lot into me starting to pull back on this team if i were a braves backer would you rather play this team at let's call it minus 130 to make the playoffs or at plus 200 to win their division. I mean, that is a big difference in the number that you're laying. You're buying yourself two extra spots with the wild card from going from 2-1 to to minus 130. If you were back in the Braves, how are you playing that? If I were a Braves backer, and I
1: am not, right, still because there are four teams in that division that I have to, even if I like the Braves, acknowledge and respect our contenders, I think I would broaden it out either to that playoffs, yes, no, or consider the win total if I was high Mm. on the Braves. That is like, you know about just Atlanta as opposed to what the rest of the division does as well. I can make the same argument for the Nationals. They are the defending champs, right? But already Zimmerman has decided to opt out already. We're hearing starting pitchers talk already. People like I think Doolittle has even mentioned that he's uncertain about this. How do you want to play the Washington Nationals if you want to fade them? It's pretty much even money,
2: minus 104 for them to not qualify. Yeah, this is, exactly, this is exactly how I want to play this team, right? Uh, because the win total number, we can come and we can get under it. Uh, and let me pull up exactly what that number is, just because I know that the juice on it varies as well. So it's 33 and a half. It's minus 120 to play that under. I would say, Dane, there's a world that they win 34 games, the National League is good enough, and they could yeah. still miss the playoffs, and I've laid less juice in the process. Now, I don't think they're going to actually get to 34 wins, but this minus 104, it's one of my favorite bets that I've seen thus far as we've begun to get ready for this upcoming baseball season.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, you bring up a great point, especially around these teams in the East, Kev. They can win a bunch of games and still miss the playoffs. And let me explain why. I was talking to our good friend, uh, George Kurtz, okay, on another one of mm-hmm. our shows. And we were talking about a main point here, what he has now called the mental of the central. Okay. And because if you think about it, Kevin, the East is stacked. We talk about all the legit contenders in the AL and NL East. Similarly, the West has championship contenders in Houston, the Dodgers and some others, right? I like the angels. We respect the A's, you know, the Padres could be on the come the way the schedule is um, organized. Kev, these teams in the AL central, and the NL Central are going to play each other, right? 40 times in their schedule. And with the other division, like the the, the vast majority of the schedule are going to be against teams in the other Central. So what that means, and we were talking about it for guys like Flaherty and Berrios for Cy Young contention, right? Because of the lineups they would see. But the other impact that has to be talked about here is in these playoff yes-nos. So for example, You know, let's say you mentioned the Cleveland Indians as the second choice in the Central. Well, their schedule is going to be a lot easier on balance to just get wins than, say, the Tampa Rays. Okay? Mm. And that reason, I think the Central teams are alive. And I say that because you just mentioned the teams like the Nationals, for example. They could win games, but guess what? Those teams in the NL Central that are beating each other up and get extra games against the Royals and the Tigers, the second-place team in the... NL Central, I don't know, call it the Cubs for this exercise, could be getting fat off of playing the Royals and the Tigers, whereas, you know, the Phillies or the Nationals or the Mets or the Braves, the second-place team in the NL East, has much more of a harder strength of schedule, so could still miss out on the playoffs because the Central team could be stacking chips. I wonder, do you agree with this idea of leaning towards the Central because it looks like they have a much easier
2: strength of schedule? It's, it's tough for me because, yes, with the Tigers, the Royals, and the Pirates, those teams yeah. should be picked on. But the other four te- I mean, a lot of people think the Reds can go out there and win the Central, and that doesn't include, then, the Cardinals, but, the Cubs, and the Brewers. But up against the East, it's easier, right?
1: Because that's what it is. It's an imbalanced schedule. So when you think about contending wildcard teams from the East and what their schedule will look like, and contending mm-hmm. wildcard teams from the Central and what their schedule would look like. I think it's safe to say the Central has an easier road to wins.
2: Is the American League East better than the American League Central? I think so, and I think most people would would agree. Yeah, go ahead. Because the bottom two are so bad in yep. the Central, but if we're both lower on the Red Sox, we're you know here and there when it comes to. Toronto I, I think it's a fair conversation and I think what you might even be interested in is and we talked about this a bit when it came to the White Sox and their yes/ no playoff yeah. market in the idea that the central through I think what you're offering here Dane is that they now have a, a legit shot at owning both wild card spots and that's when the this yes market really brings out the value. Yeah right? And, and we look at that Chicago White Sox number sitting at plus 210. They sneak in as team five of five. You've, you've done yourself a really nice job. Yeah, absolutely. What I'm saying is if
1: you stack up the 10 teams in the AL East yep. and the NL and the 10 teams in the AL Central and NL Central, the East looks better to me. I would say the West looks second best to me. And the Central, I think there is a gap to being the worst. So for both of those teams that will play, the AL Central and the NL Central, for something like 45 to 50 of the 60 games, right? It's just on balance when they're competing for those wild card spots. It seems to me like they have an easier path. And when I think about starting pitchers in, say, Fantasy or in the Cy Young market, I think they have easier offenses to face for, you know, of their outings, let's say, if you look at it on balance, I know that there's definitely individual tough matchups, but you know, if you look at it in totality, and Kev, that's what we do, right? We look at divisions in totality. If something's an overlay, then there's an underlay, the comprehensive market. I do think it is an interesting point when people are looking at the schedule of baseball this year. You started, Kev, by talking about the NL East and how we had different uh, division winners. You, Mm -hmm. I believe, on the Philadelphia Phillies. So if you think they can win the division, them just making one of the playoff spots, remember with the wild card, do you want to hedge your bet and be safer? They are plus 220 to make the playoffs. Do you like that better? Or are you shoving all in on the Phillies in terms of the division championship?
2: I think this is a spot where you could have both and feel good about it. Last year, after 60 games, if there was a hard stop. The Phillies would right. really have made the playoffs. Hmm. So that's one of the things that that it, the, the Braves had the tiebreaker. They had the same exact record. They would have won um, the East. The other wild card team would have been the Cubs. And then the last team in actually would have been the Phillies. So I think this is a spot, Dane, where you could grab both. Because, I mean, plus 220 is a big number. Like, that's, that's less than the White Sox. Like, do you think that goes to what you're offering in a way? That the White okay. Sox have better odds to make the playoffs than the Phillies? They can get fat on the central. i I'm, I'm I'm I'm
1: I think that's a real thing. Kev, remember even when our friends at FanDuel were hanging winning percentages up for a long time yeah. and we started getting news from the Bob Nightingale piece, and we thought the Braves and the Pirates were gonna be swapped and stuff. We were like, wait a second, this creates value because of strength of schedule. And I yes. I believe that is still the case. I think these teams in the Central have an easier strength of schedule than teams in the West or in the East. Now, does that matter when they're competing for the division title? No, because they're all seeing the same divisional opponents in that schedule. Mm-hmm. But aired against teams from the East or the West, like they would be in a wild card, like they would be in a play yes, no market, and like they would be for individual season awards, specifically the Cy Young, in my opinion, or in fantasy baseball. If you're playing fantasy, yes, I think the players in the Central, especially starting pitchers in the Central, I do think there is a bump up. So that means to me Jack Flaherty in the Cy Young Wards. That means to me Jose Berrios in the AL Cy Young and other studs like Yes, I do think there is a bump. When we come back, though, Kev, you talked about the Phillies. There is still my team in the National League that I still think could win that division title. And I'll say what the value is. And if you agree, when we come back, we look at the New York Metropolitans. Oh, and by the way, if you were tailing us and our boy Jay, the sports keg, CEO for UST 251, hopefully you were able to withdraw. We'll talk about that as well when we come back right here.
0: really live.
1: Back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin Walsh and I with the fun and functional sports content. We were looking at some of these NL East teams. mentioned and potential division winner in the Phillies. Mine is the New York Metropolitans. And I got to tell you something. I am getting more and more encouraged as I see them doing into squads and the like mostly because Joanna Thespidus looks, you know, driven, hungry, and healthy. And I think that is very, very important. I have seen a lot of projected lineups, Kev, for the New York Mets. And I know when we were profiling them, weren't as high as, them as I were. But I want to give you an opportunity because I have now seen their projected lineup a number of times. And it has guys like Robbie Kano in seventh. Um, I think this lineup, you know, is viable out there and, you know, should be taken seriously. Um, and that's part of why, you know, I think that, you know, they are a good value. When I look at them in the playoff market, you know, this idea of the New York Mets are still plus 118 in order to do that. When I look at what the Mets have to offer, this lineup with a motivated Cephalus is important. When you look around the horn, they are above average, I believe, offensively. Of every position except one but you could run out alonzo at first
2: base yeah i got you and dan i think one of the interesting things with this with this mets team is how these numbers play so i look at it for the phillies and i see plus 220 still as a pretty big number i look at it for the mets and that plus 118 it doesn't land the same way right I think that's kind of one of the one of the difficult things here for for the for the Mets to be plus two ninety to win your division, right? Versus the plus one eighteen to make the playoffs. That feels like such a big. That's it is. It's such a big gap. Like there's only a plus thirty differential from our two division winners to win the division. Meanwhile, it's a plus one hundred differential when it comes to these two teams to make the playoffs. And I am a bit curious as to why that might be, Dane. I mean, we see the Mets here at plus 118 to make the playoffs. The Phillies are plus 220 to make the playoffs. But the Mets are plus 290 to win the division, where the Phillies are only plus 320. Like, that's a considerable gap in one market and a pretty close gap in another market. I wonder, does that mean that they believe the Mets are a perfect wild card team, but maybe just too much of a mountain to climb when it comes to this division? Like, th- there's... There's value somewhere in there, Dane. I'm not sure exactly where, though. Yeah, Dane, and, and, I, and I think you're, you are uh, Are you set up over there? We're just, again, we're just getting a little stuff uh, figured out here. But right now, I, I think as well, when we look through the NL East, it would be a, a shame if we didn't talk about the Miami Marlins, and I guess as well, then, we've got to talk a little bit about the Baltimore Orioles as well as we're kind of going through the East here. So the Marlins to make the playoff, the playoff stands at 25 to 1. This is, a, it, it, look, it's a really, really tough spot, and I think that if you are interested in that bet, I get it. It's, it's a nice fat number, more than understandable. If you wanted the Marlins to win the East, we're talking about a 100 to 1 shot. You want to look like I almost would rather take the way 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 crazy shot like that as opposed to anything else. The team win total though for the Marlins, if you're considering playing them to make the playoffs, it has to be over twenty four and a half. I would say I think it has to be because obviously they're not going to win twenty four games and not make the playoffs. It's only minus one hundred six to get over that number, and that to me would be your best option. When it comes to the Baltimore Orioles, again, the lowest win total on the board, 20 and a half at minus 110. It's, you know, we're, again, we're looking at a spot here. They're 25 to 1 to make the playoffs. It's the same exact number as the Marlins. So, what I think we're seeing is there, you know, there's a ceiling and there's a floor. You're not going to get better than 25 to 1 for the for anybody to make the playoffs. That's what the Orioles are at, that's what the Marlins are at. But it's not worth it to me. Play those two teams over their respective win totals, and I think you'll find yourself in a much better position. Again, I get the long shots of it, but I'd rather than go instead of twenty-five to one. I'd rather you know quadruple that and go hundred to one for them to win the division. If we're gonna get wild, let's go crazy, Dave. Who is not uh, back with us yet? But we're going and we're gonna have to figure out um those audio issues we appreciate you guys hanging out with us here though uh on the early line um on a monday morning getting everybody set and i think as well as as we continue to peel through some of the these playoff odds these yes no bets as well i think it is also kind of just taking a quick look over at odds to win the league um and we'll, we'll look at it through again this national league prism here and this is why I guess this gap with the Mets and the Phillies would exist. So, your favorites are the Dodgers, we've known that, plus 160. Then comes the Braves, and then comes the Nationals. Then comes the Mets. And that's one of the biggest things, right? Is that the Mets are, you know, projected to be in the postseason. The Cardinals and the Cubs separate those two teams. Now, again, the gap here the Mets are 11 to 1 to win the NL. The Phillies are only 13 to 1. It's right there, but it's those. It's that gap of two teams separating them that we see as the big difference maker when it comes to a yes-no playoffs bet. But I would say we might be looking at some pretty decent value then when it would come to the best. For for them to be the fourth best odds to get themselves into or to win the National League, right, represent the NL in the World Series, then you're looking at a position here where – you know, yes, one of those, you know, Cubs or the Cardinals would have to win the central. There's only a fifth spot. But you might then make the argument that this team should be minus money. And in fact, that's, that's a pretty nice little, you know, interesting tidbit here. The Cubs are plus money. The Reds are plus money. Keep looking through it in terms of teams that can go out there and compete. The Brewers are plus money. We've mentioned the Mets, of course, being plus money. And then are the St. Louis and the St. Louis Cardinals as well are plus money to make the playoffs. So the the only teams that are minus money are the Dodgers. Of course they are, right? Again, the Dodgers are supposed to be the best team in baseball and with good reason. Uh, and in fact, they don't even have a market up right now over at the FanDuel Sportsbook on the Dodgers. That's, I mean, so if the Yankees are minus 800, that pretty much means that it would almost then be, uh, you know, minus minus ten hundred probably for the Dodgers minus the thousand. But does anybody say ten hundred? Minus thousand will work just fine. When it comes, though, then to the rest of this market, the Braves and the Nats, first of all, only one of those teams can win the division. And Dana and I pretty much just offered to you guys that they're all fades. But this now means that the entire Central, they can't even commit to a team to win the Central and to put them over at minus money here at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Like that is pretty significant, in my opinion at least. And that might be one of the biggest values maybe that we've found as we, again, are gearing up for this baseball season. And the Central is going to be on deck for myself and Dane as we continue this week. We're going to look through the American League Central. But now this National League Central has really caught my attention here because whoever we think is going to win this division, we're going to be able to get it plus money to win the division, right? And you look through those division odds, plus 230 for the Cubs, tied with the Reds, then come the Cardinals, at plus 240. Happened the Milwaukee Brewers at plus 350. A lot of plus money to be had there. But plus money for all of these teams to make the playoffs. I think there's a world, and Dane as well is offering it to you, that they send two, maybe three teams to the playoffs here. This Central might present us a lot of value. I do, and Dane mentioned it, I want to talk a little bit about the fights that we got this past weekend. Uh, it was a nice weekend for us here on the early line. Once again, shout out to our guy. Uh, the sports keg CEO Jay, who who came on with us, and he said it, guys. He said it was a favorites card. He and sometimes that's not what you want to hear. You don't want to be laying minus prices, right? What do you even do it, Amanda Rebas, at minus nine hundred. You bet, Paige Van Zandt. I know people that did that. You know what? It was over before it started. It was a complete waste of a bet, but the value was there. But we get too caught up in the value. I think sometimes you you, you keep looking. Through that card, Rose Namajunas is your favorite. And it's tough. Jessica Trotz won the first fight. This was a rematch. The person who won the, the original fight was the dog. But Rose is the better fighter. And we saw that play out. We saw that play out. And we had another favorite come home. We didn't get to the next fight. Petr Jan and Jose Aldo. I had a lot of people that I was talking to say, man, I don't know. Aldo's a dog. Aldo's a dog. Been around a long time. Good value. Good value at 2-1. to one. Peter Yan. people are betting him heavy. Minus 250, I don't know if I want to do that. You did want to do it. Peter Jan looked fantastic. And boy, I cannot wait to see him and Aljo throw down. And that better be the fight, too. No funny business here from Dana White, please. Better be Aljamain Sterling. broke on. He, he, he jumped on Corey Sanhagen, made him you know, made him look like a backpack, and we were out of there in a minute. I mean, that was wild stuff. That better be Aljamain Sterling's next fight against Peter Jan. And as well then, Dane, we got to the two main events. Now, the Volkanovski-Max Holloway was certainly a sweat, right? It was close your eyes, everybody lock arms, and and, and let's hope that this thing gets home. And then Kamaru Usman was electric in the main event, Dane. But overall, it was a nice card for us here on the early line.
1: come home. We saw it on social media as well. And the interesting part for me, Kev, was, you know, there was a lot of controversy around the Max Holloway Volkanovsky fight, right? Some people thought that Max was up, you know, they have like the Twitter uh, going on, what people are saying. And a lot of people going into the fifth round thought that it could have been 3-1 Max at that point. But we saw the actual judges' cards, okay? And the one judge that did in fact have Max uh, Holloway winning the fight, if you looked at it, he had it 2-2 going into the last round, and then Max Holloway somehow winning the last round to make it 3-2 Max. I did not think that's the way you could arrive at Max winning three rounds to two. Okay, I thought, if anything, he banked it in the early rounds of the fight and was up 3-1, and then, you know, Volkanovsky did enough to try to come back, but again, the third round is the one that was really up for grabs, not the fifth one, so I found it intriguing also that even though there was A little bit of uh, controversy.
2: It went a different way than you would have thought. Yeah, but it was, it was, look, it was a great fight, but I did think Volkanovsky was the right winner. And it, it was, it was nice to see that one come home.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When we come back on the other side of the break, hopefully you can hear my voice and see my pretty face. And we will tell you why else this was a good weekend for the early line. We got a lot of sports that we crushed. We'll come on back, hopefully, and talk about it right after this. Welcome back in on the early line and I am back Dane Martinez with our man Kevin Walsh in the basement and you know Kev it is in fact interesting UFC 251 we talked about it we did well shout out to Jay the sports keg was giving out winners here on Friday we didn't talk about this main event though right where Usman did what Usman does he is a world class wrestler and Masvidal was supposed to be the striker he looked quicker at times when they were standing up or in the pocket but I really do think the fight that uh, Masvidal took the Fight on six days notice, had to cut 20, 25 pounds of weight. I think towards the end, right, in the championship rounds, when also Usman was just, you know, grappling with him, side control, almost had his back up against the fence. You know, you could see that Masvidal you know, didn't have as much juice left in the tank.
2: Yeah, I mean, I get all this the you know, six days notice, all yes, but he was training, he was he was in camp. Kumar Usman. Has an argument to be made for the best fighter in the world, the pound for pound number one. He belongs in that conversation. It's it was one of those performances where you go, I don't know who beats this guy, and I hope we right. see him and Gilbert Burns because the power that Burns has been supplying. I mean, what Burns did to Tyrone Woodley was so wild mm-hmm. that I do want to see those two throw down. But I, I mean, listen. You know, and Jorge said after the fight, he's like, "Look, man, I'm gonna get me a couple more wins, and and I'll see you again. I'm right. not, I'm not rushing to see it. I, I'm, I'm not. You know, <laughs> right. wouldn't like, it be I'll the wait. same
1: kind of 25 minutes on the ground with Usman in control for the majority of the time? Like, why would it look any different, Kev? Just stepping on his feet for
2: 25 yeah, man. minutes, Stomping like, on his feet. But you listen, but that's the thing: is Usman is a smart fighter. He is there to win, right? You don't, you know, you don't want to get caught up in all of these games. And he actually talked about it quite a, like when he went against Colby Covington, and he hated Colby Covington for some very obvious reasons. If you know Colby Covington and he said he didn't fear his power. So he stood in and he, he just, he stood and banged. He didn't have to take him down because I, I didn't fear his power. And then he cracked Colby's jaw and he, and he knocked him out in round five. You know, again, he comes in here. He has a lot of beef with Jorge, but he respected the power. He didn't mess around. He lost round one and then four rounds of dominance. And in fact, he actually, I believe, won round one on two different scorecards. I think it was 50-45 for two of those judges. Kamara Usman it, it is fantastic. I heard um, our friend Gabe Dane say, you don't get rich betting against Kamara Usman. That stays yeah, true. Right? That stays true. <laughs> That absolutely does stay true.
1: Again, big shout-out to our guy, Jay, the Sportskeg CEO, who came to us with winners on Friday. And I know you were overjoyed at about 1.32 a.m. on Sunday morning. (laughs) And so (laughs) is high, brother, man. It feels good. But that is not the only time it came home for us and friends of the early line. Last week, you know, we had our guy Cam Stewart on golf. One of the names he gave out, Kevin, was Mark uh, Morikawa. And on a Mm -hmm. third playoff home. Justin Thomas that is who wins the tournament on Sunday. So we're hot right here on the early line. Let's keep it going with our plays or picks of the day before we bring in our guy Jared Smith here to talk about what's going on on the morning after Kev. You know what? I started talking about this MLS and our games opening up, right? I'm Mm -hmm. gonna say no. Okay, so for this game that is about to, you know, kick off in a couple of minutes with Toronto and DC. First of all, this was originally scheduled from yesterday. Right. So there's the kind of mental aspect of getting up for it, having to go through this testing. Oh my goodness. Is this the test that comes up positive? Oh my goodness. Have I been practicing with a teammate who's been positive for the last couple of days? I think this morning's game, not to mention the probable 90 degree heat at 9am in Orlando. I think this is going to be very tough. Okay. I think this is going to follow what we saw in a lot of games last week. I think we're going to see low scoring. So I'm not picking a side on this one for Toronto or DC, but when I look at the over under of two and a half goals I can get under at minus 110 which is pretty much even money this way I'm safe for one of those one nothing finals I'm safe on a one one draw I don't think we're going to see an offensive explosion given what these teams had to deal with for the last 24 hours give me in this MLS game that's going in about 10 minutes give me under
2: two and a half goals Kev at minus 110 I love it I love the early 9 a.m. start it's look it's exciting (laughs) I yeah, you said the under, so I want it to then be a snooze fest, because I always want you to win. But you know, if they can put a if they can spread the goals out to where it's a little exciting, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I'm also looking at some soccer, uh, to get us started here, you or know, some some football, right? Uh, I guess football. if are going overseas, uh, we got to call it football. football. This Manchester United game again, like this is—I'm very excited about this, right? I, I am actually um, a bit of a Manchester United fan, but like this is. One of the most important games that we have seen since sports have returned. I would probably ah. say, Dane, the Dortmund-Bayern game is the only other game that comes to mind. Obviously, we've had big fights, of course. but You know, again, from yeah, four. Belmont Stakes was pretty big, but hey, sure. And that's what I'm saying, gotcha. right? Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not absolutely. the only thing that matter, but <laughs> as far as teams squaring off. But we're trying to find the value here. We talked about it early in the show. You know, we can go over the number. It's a lot to be laying. By Manchester United, but one of my favorite little props that you do have over at the FanDuel Sportsbook is WinCast, where you bet someone <clears> to <throat> score within the first night, uh, within the ninety minutes, uh, and then there's no over, there's no extra time here, uh, and then and then the team to win the match. Bruno Fernandez comes in at plus one thirty five. Now, Dane, I know you know Bruno well because me, you, and our graphics guy Steve in the group chat talk about him every single time United ah, yes. are playing games. Bruno Fernandez has been the best player in the Premier League since he has shown up in the Premier League. He's already, he's only been there, I don't know how many months he's been there, but he's already got two player of the month's awards under his belt. He might only have only played two months because of how the lockdown, like it's been, he's been so ridiculously good. And the best thing about this number here, the reason why it's plus money is because he's a midfielder. Well, luckily for us, he's not your everyday midfielder. He's scored in all but one of their Premier League games since the restart, and the big thing you have as an advantage, Dane, is he's the penalty taker for this team, he, and he doesn't miss penalties. He does not miss penalties. Just the way Bruno's been playing, the fact that it's plus one thirty-five, he usually he's, he's been getting himself on the score sheet. Now, uh, you know, it's three consecutive games that he's gotten himself on the score sheet. I really like that for Bruno Fernandez. And if you want to also, Mason Greenwood, I believe, is on the score sheet as well in three straight games. He's at plus one thirty. I, I mentioned I like the over, and I think United's going to win the game. That means a couple of these guys here have to be offering us some value. And if you look at them, Dane, they're all, you know, the, the heaviest price on the boards a minus 115. So there is definitely value to be had over here on the win cast market. All right. That
1: sounds good. Interesting. When you talk about like the penalty kicker for that team, I wonder if that's baked in a little bit, Kev, you know, because every team pretty much knows who their guy is, who comes up to the spot for the most part. Right. So I wonder Mm -hmm. if how much that is calculated when we, you know, think about that kind of goal scoring market, a very interesting wrinkle when it comes to Bruno, Bruno, the guy who would be stepping up, taking the P kicks if that were to come into play in the game. I think that's very, very interesting. I told you about the Toronto-DC game that's going to get started in about 10 to 15 minutes. Then tonight, just to recap, remember, LAFC gets into action. They are favorites at minus 160, the draw, plus 320, and then the Houston Dynamo at plus 310. That is the longest odds on the board for any team. Um, And then, of course, the nightcap, and it's good that these LA team, their fans, get to see it. you know, on on the West Coast with these later starts, the LA Galaxy plus 140, the Timbers at plus 150, so a pretty even matchup. But then the draw at plus 260. All right, so here's what we got here, Kev. You know, we are going to have the morning after up next. They've got a good number of guests. I wonder what do you think, Jared, is going to think about this Rajon Rondo news? You know, because I know he is on that Laker train. Okay, I've asked him. You know, the idea with the variants here in the NBA, and he's like no, give me the three, I don't, the three up at the top. I don't want to take the field. Right. I know he likes the Lakers. I'd ask him the same thing I asked you. Okay, Rondo maybe isn't their second leading scorer or anything like that. But when you add Rondo and Avery Bradley now gone, it does somewhat deplete this Lakers backcourt. I wonder how much of a, you know, how much stock our guy Jared would put into that.
2: Here's where I think you might find if there's value on Rondo being absent, it might be that Lakers win total. Again, you know, I I love that FanDuel's offering this. Uh, The over-under is 5.5. It's minus 110 on both sides here, Dane. Now, Rondo might have seen some significant minutes in in some of these games because I don't think LeBron's going to play every game. And if you listen to the, the guards that we've talked about, again, KCP, Danny Green... Those aren't point guards. J.R. Smith, Deon Williams. Right. Those aren't point guards. Caruso is somewhat. That's the one thing about Rondo, is he right. is like a primary initiator, and he will go out there and he will create for others. Now, yes, sometimes it is nauseating to watch him do that, and he really should never be on the court at the same time as LeBron. It just doesn't really. It just crowds. To right. There's not enough spacing. But if now when the Lakers are resting, because you need you need him to go six and two, right? Now, when the when the Lakers are resting, that might be where the guard depth is exposed a little bit because you got to think on those rest days, Dane. We're not we're not seeing a lot from you know LeBron or Danny Green, right? So now, if they're not going to have a primary initiator for the offense, maybe under five and a half wins for the Lakers is an interesting look.
1: And we do have Jared. So now I can ask him my damn self and I am going to do that. Jared, you got the morning after coming up next, Kevin and I were talking about, listen, Rajon Rondo, you know, with the thumb injury, going to be out for a while. I asked it to him this way. When you combine it with Avery Bradley already having opted out, I know you love the Lakers in this restart, you know, Jared, but at some point, They're getting compromised here. Kevin is saying some of these studs they're bringing in the J.R. Smith and what? They're not floor generals. They're not the ball in their hand. What kind of impact does this Rondo news have for the Lakers? I think Rondo will have an impact, especially because of the ball handling. Uh, you know, Le- LeBron does have to take a break eventually. Now, in the playoffs, he, he doesn't take much of a break, uh, but the ball handling that that Rajon does bring to the table is is pretty paramount. And you know, LeBron takes a takes a- shoulders a lot of that load. So when he does take a break, now you know LA is gonna have to look elsewhere. I think Jr. will be fine in the playoffs. I mean, that's really what he is. He's a sniper, and he'll make big shots in the postseason. Avery Avery Bradley, at like athleticism, defensive wise, I-, I think. Hurts a little bit as well. I mean, he's just a little younger, he's a little quicker. We'll see what Jr. has left in the tank. Lakers
2: are going to be fine. The Bucks are going to be fine. These good teams. You're seeing. We're, we're starting to see the tea leaves now. We're hearing these things now. We're hearing they love being
1: there. They're excited. These guys are like caged well. animals getting ready. It, it, so, it, game. as long as they oh, got that. good stuff to eat, yeah. as, 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 as long as they, they got good stuff Those are the ones that we're looking at. And we'll talk about it more, I'm sure you will, on The Morning Line. Have a great day, everybody. Jared and Ariella next.